And I think if we look at halftime in the year, we can say, you know what, in the next six months, we could radically improve our physical, mental, vocational well-being. If we had a good reason to do it, we could radically change it. Six months of change can radically transform a person's life. 60 days of change can radically transform a person's life. But six months, there I mean, I lost 100 pounds in seven months. Just changing my nutrition, not with this major life change, just changing my nutrition. I lost 100 pounds. That's not everybody's story. That's my story. I mean, there's something that you could do that's beyond what's ordinary in your life. And if you just started to do things that were a little bit above and beyond what's usual, regular, and customary, you would start living an extraordinary life. Just in the next 60 days, the next six months, you could change things for the better. Welcome, my friend. This is the weekend edition of the Coaching for Pastors podcast. Yes, my friend, welcome to weekend edition number 12. I'm glad you're here because I've got some things to tell you. You, you, you go to conferences, you listen to podcasts, you maybe read blog posts, you read books, you maybe take online courses, and sometimes you're struggling because there's very little follow-up and we don't really change you do all these things and as you're reading a book or as you're listening to a podcast episode or maybe as you're taking an online course or you're talking to somebody and learning and it, it's good in the moment, but, but then there's just, there's really no follow-up. And then two days later, you forgot you even did it. You, that webinar that you watched or that online conference maybe that you attended, it was really good. It was kind of like ministry candy, right? You got your sugar high and then you left it and you put your notes in your folder on your desktop or your three-ring binder went into your office cupboard. You want to grow and you want to change. You want to make a greater impact and have more influence in your, your community, in your church, in the world, in, 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 even in your family. You have dreams and goals and you just have been frustrated because you're in the vortex of ministry, especially now, right? Especially in this day and age where everything is swirling and our schedules are full and we're doing stuff and we're not quite sure if it's the stuff we should be doing, but it's the urgent stuff and we're busy at it, but we time is going by and you don't want to have regrets at the end of your life. And if you're like me, over the last number of years, there have been a few times when in the back of your mind you're thinking, am I going to get to the end when I, when I hang my stuff up and I step into the sunset and am I going to have regrets? Am I going to wish, am I going to wish that I would have gone for it and done something different? It's just that, you know what, we can't accomplish these things alone. We can't accomplish these things alone. And that was me in 2003, and that was me in 2010. Let me just tell you those two stories real quick. In 2003, I had been at a church for 10 years, ministry for 10 years, planning on staying there, had no desire to go anywhere else, loved the people, loved the ministry, and wanted to see it succeed. 
and God made it abundantly clear to me, it's time for you to go. And I'm like, God, go where? Go where? I'm not, I'm not ready to go anywhere. I haven't even thought about it. And I talked to my good friend. I talked to one of the leaders of the church. And there was some consensus there. And it's like, yeah, and I knew. I knew. And when I asked them, they confirmed it with me. They said, yeah, yeah, Jeff. God is definitely moving you. Uh, we agree with you. It's time for you to go. And I wasn't getting pushed out. I wasn't asked to leave. Nothing like that. But it was so clear to me. But I had no plan. Nothing was set up for me. I hadn't saved money for this. I hadn't lined up another position for this. I was living in a parsonage. I had four kids all living at home with me. We, were, we had a busy family. It was an expensive family at that time. And I walked into a board meeting on a Tuesday night, and I resigned effective immediately. And I knew that's what God was calling me to do. In fact, my one friend said, God, he said, uh, Jeff, do you trust God? I'm like, man, doggone it. Truth is, no, I don't, because I've never had to. I've never had to trust God. Well, now it's time, and I had to put up or shut up. So I just, I resigned effective immediately. I, I was done. And I walked back to my house, and that was it. And I said, God, this is it. Here I am. I've, I've done it. Let's see what you can do. And for six weeks, no, no kidding, my friends, six weeks, I woke up every morning with butterflies in my stomach, just, just, just uh, nauseous at the uncertainty that was in front of me and what am I going to do and where am I going to go and how am I going to support my kids? And God opened up an opportunity for me that, that propelled me into the next half of my life that was just beyond what I could have asked or thought. And mostly all that was for my kids. My ki it was beyond what I could have asked or thought for them. And they were blessed. But I had to take a step. I had to take a, and th this was the first real, I mean, true step of complete faith and trust that I'd ever had to take in my life. Just resigning, sight unseen with who knows what was in the future. And it was the best decision of my life. And it was seven years later when I was in that next ministry and things were going okay. And I, I woke up on the morning of uh, New Year's Day 2010. And I'll never forget, I walked into the bathroom, I was brushing my teeth, I raised my head up and looked in the mirror. And I just stopped and I looked at myself. And after the toothbrush was out of my mouth, uh, audibly I said, Jeff, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I said to myself, self, right? I said, Jeff, you're, you're never going to get to where you want to go if you keep doing what you're doing. You've got to do something different. And it wasn't that I had to go somewhere different or get a different ministry or leave or anything like that. It's just I, I knew there were certain things in my life and in my ministry that were a lid on me, on our church, on, on everything. And I said to myself that morning, I am going to make some changes. And I determined the changes that I would make that calendar year. And I did. I did that calendar year. And again, that propelled me into a completely new stage of my life. One of the things 
that I did is I I shifted some staff, and that was um, that was a game changer for our church in the long run. Uh, that one of the other things I did was I went to school. I went back for a Master of Divinity degree, and that just completely changed my perspective, my breadth of understanding of the world, of the scriptures, of ministry, of people, of generations in uh, in our world, and it was fantastic. I did it with somebody else. In fact, I did it with 11 somebody else's. There was a cohort put together of 12 of us, and we were cohort O at Bethel Seminary, and we went through the Master of Divinity program together. And by the time we got to the end of it, those present at graduation were only four. I think two others received their degree, but all 12 of us got to know each other. We became friends. We're friends to this day. I could call any one of them up right now and have a great conversation with them because I did it with somebody else, and it changed my life. It changed my life. One of the things that I never did with my first podcast, the 200 Churches podcast, which Johnny Craig and I still do, one of the things I never did is I never took the step of gathering pastors together into a cohort community and spending several months learning and growing together, challenging each other, going through a plan, a system, a curriculum, where we're all going through it together, we're all challenging each other, we're holding each other accountable, and we're helping each other knock down the obstacles and get to that, get that next goal that we've not been able to get to, see that next dream begin to come into reality that we haven't been able to see realized at all yet. So that's what I'm putting together right now. I've already gotten some emails from some of you that want to be a part of this first Coaching for Pastors cohort group, and I'm excited about it. And I know that the only way that we can grow and change is if we do it in community, if we do it together. And my friend, who better to do it with than other pastors? We'll likely get on Zoom once a week. We'll spend an hour together. We'll talk. We'll catch up. There'll be some instruction, some coaching, some prayer, and Lord willing, there will be communication and relationship building throughout the week. This is an opportunity for you, Pastor, to step out of your comfort zone. It's an opportunity for you to take the next step toward your growth. I don't know what that growth is, what growth is needed in your life, but I know there's growth needed because there's growth needed in my life. And I started thinking about it the other day. Over the past 18 years, I have averaged investing about $5,000 a year into my own personal growth and development. It's unbelievable how that has changed my life. I shudder to think what I would be like today if 18 years ago I didn't begin that process of investing in myself, and so much of that investing in myself was investing in other people. So much of my growth was when I was getting together with others, and while they invested in me, I invested in them. And then I took what I learned, and I, in turn, invested it in others. Today, I want to introduce you to my coach, Dave Bush. Don't let Dave's mild demeanor fool you. This guy is driven, and he's on mission. When he was a little younger, he played for four years arena football for the Iowa Barnstormers. 
He knows what it's like to work with a team and to help that team get the ball into the end zone. And he's been doing it for the last 20 years. Dave is a business coach. He's a health coach. He's a life coach. He's a healthy people farmer, and to put it in his words. He develops people. So this guy's calm and cool and collected. But let me tell you, this river runs really deep. He's made a difference in my life. So I've reached out to him and I've said, hey, Dave, I want to work with some pastors. Would you join me in my first Coaching for Pastors cohort pastors group and help me to coach some pastors to their next level of growth? And he said, Jeff, I would be happy to do that with you. And so Dave is going to join us on some of our sessions over the course of what will probably be three months. I'm still finalizing the details on that, but today, just today, I want you to meet Dave Bush. I want you to get to know the guy, because then next week, Monday through Saturday, he's going to join me on every episode of Coaching for Pastors, and we're going to work through the message of his book, Live an Extraordinary Life. It's a fantastic book. It's got a lot of great stories, a lot of great teaching, and a lot of great inspiration in it. But it sets out a plan and it sets out a path for people to really and practically get to the next level of growth in their life. So without any more delay, here is my conversation with Dave Bush. Dave Bush, welcome to the Coaching for Pastors podcast. It's good to have you on for the very first time. I mean, I think you've kind of arrived at this point. <laughs> you know, I've been waiting for this day. I've been praying for this day, but no, I'm just super excited to get a chance to be with you today, Jeff, and uh, all those that are listening to us. Uh, this is going to be so exciting to be able to just have a conversation and try to share some encouragement, share some motivation, and share some stories that uh, might just resonate with a few and uh, empower them to design and live an extraordinary life. Well, Dave, I could take you and tell you the stories, the instances when I first heard your name the first time we ever spoke, what I did right afterwards. And, you know, I came to you because I wanted to lose weight. But, you know, as they say, I got so much more, right? I came for the weight loss and I stayed for the gains that I got in real life. But one thing, seriously, all kidding aside, and this is like, apart from this recording, true life, me to you, you've been a friend and a supporter and an encourager way beyond anything that um, our, any professional or ministerial relationship has been. So I want to thank you for that. And so I can bring you on this podcast and recommend you as a person, as a coach, as a guide, as an encourager, as a counselor to all the pastors who listen uh, with a lot of comfort, because over the past three and a half years, you've uh, You've really, you've really built into my life. So introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, tell us a little bit about Dave Bush. And did you, did you always want to be, and you're, you're not just a life coach, but you're a business coach. You're uh, a physical trainer of sorts. You're a health coach. One of the leaders in your local church. Jack of all trades. Uh, yeah. Master, master of a few, maybe not of none, <laughs> but yeah. It's, uh, so just tell us about yourself. You bet. Yeah. Well, it's uh, great to be here with you. And yeah, Jeff, it's been fun to, to be on this journey with you. And, and it's really where I feel like my life calling has always been. Uh, it's taken me a while to find a, a perfect fit for living out that calling. But, you know, I would say that today, the, the best terminology I, I could use is that I'm a 
healthy people farmer <laughs> or healthy leader <laughs> farmer. Uh, I help uh, healthy people. I help people and leaders to grow healthier um, in all all different aspects of their life. And you can call it what you want: life coach, business coach, health coach, whatever. But at the end of the day. You know, I feel like that I'm fulfilling the role of coach, which comes from the word coaches, K-O-C-S, which is from a town in Hungary uh, where they first uh, adopted the concept of a stagecoach. And, you know, stagecoaches take people from wherever they are to wherever they want to go. And uh, I love that role. I love the process of helping people to grow. Um, but my background is I grew up in Southern California. I uh, grew up as a Big, heavy uh, football player kid, you know, I desired to be a professional football player from a very young age. I had a dream of doing that. My grandfather was a football player at the University, University of Southern California. Uh, I was a big kid, had some athletic talent and uh, ended up going on uh, to play at the University of South Dakota. Uh, it was USD. My grandfather played at USC. At University of Southern California. So I was just one constant and off from fulfilling his legacy, but yeah. ended up landing out 1,700 miles from my home and uh, ended up playing football there. Was an All American offensive center and long snapper. Uh, went on to play a thing called arena football for four years, which is the jersey in the background here, and uh, ended up playing four years of arena football was uh, my 15 seconds of fame was I was the guy that hiked the ball to the now pro football hall of famer, Kurt Warner, uh, which, you know, the kid would have been nothing if I didn't hike him the ball, but we'll <laughs> leave that for a different podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, so I got out of football, got into the mortgage industry, became a business owner in the mortgage industry and did really well. And then in 2004, I decided that I wanted to do something different with my life. I'd become successful in the mortgage industry, but I never really felt like it was where I wanted to um, spend the rest of my life. I was kind of at halftime in my life. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to go pursue my, my passion of being a peak performance coach. I was going to help people to design and live extraordinary lives. And so I uh, jumped in 2004 and uh, went through a whole bunch of... Uh, spanking machines along the way of uh, going and chasing my dream. But, you know, here I am here almost 20, 24, 20 years later, um, got some great stories to tell about the journey. Uh, almost died a couple of times, but, <laughs> but <laughs> I, uh, I ended up uh, making a decision in 2000 and, uh, 2008, December 28, 2008, I made a decision to get healthier. And uh, like you, ended up having an amazing health transformation, lost 100 pounds. And in that process, I started seeing how health and life and leadership and business all could work together for me. So, you know, for the last uh, 13 years or so, I've been uh, encouraging people to design and live extraordinary lives um, and to get healthy physically, mentally, and financially. And uh, it's been an absolute blast. And that's the five minute version, but I hopefully that gives everybody a little bit of a background on uh, who this Dave Bush character is. So Dave, you used to snap the ball to Kurt Warner. When, now, I was never a football player. I went out for two practices between fourth and fifth grade. And I remember I got on the line and I got down into the football stance. And the next thing I knew, I was laying on my back on the field looking up at the heavens and there were stars going around. And I said to myself, what the heck kind of a game is this? The guy just trucked me and I'm like, this is stupid. That was about 
That was enough. Of, yeah. That was enough, right? So when you hike him the ball, then do you block for him? Well, that's what they like to call it. Um, but, you know, a lot of people say <laughs> that, you know, Kurt Warner had this uh, amazing fast release in the NFL, which became the greatest show on turf. If you remember the L or the okay. St. Louis Rams had this uh, title, the greatest show on turf, because it was this air raid of passing and Kurt Warner was the uh, miracle that came to the, to the Rams to solve that uh, problem that they had down there, not winning Super Bowls. And uh, they said that he had such a quick release because he played arena football. And I like to tell people he had such a quick release because I was the guy that was blocking for him and I didn't do as good of a job. So yeah, uh, four years and uh, I suffered what a lot of experts call a career ending lack of talent and uh, you know, moved me on to living a different dream and following a different uh, opportunity. But yeah, it's a great story to tell and got some great memories and a great relationship with Kurt, which is really fun to see a guy like that uh, go as far as he's gone in his faith story. Yeah. And some of our listeners are going to get your book and they're going to read this, but the only arena football play, football game I ever attended was the Albany one. Oh, really? <clears throat> yep. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Albany has a special place in my heart because they were the team that told me I wasn't good enough to play. So, yeah, that's uh, that's great. I'm glad you got a chance to see them. And, you know, there's funny that we, I, we played them the most of any other team in the Arena really? Football League, and we beat them every time we played them, which I think was just vindication for them telling me I wasn't good enough to play it. So I made sure I shook the hand of the guy <laughs> on a regular basis of the head coach and said, hey, great game. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Remember me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Dave, tell us about your family. Yeah. So, I've got uh, three beautiful kids, one ugly one. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I have uh, two daughters, twenty, uh, almost 23, and the other one just turned 21. I've got a son who is uh, 18 years old going into his senior year of high school. And uh, my wife, Kristen, and I have been married for 23 years. And, yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. Uh it's been fun to be able to uh, have such a great nuclear family that we've got. We have a great time together and just a new season now as kids are getting older and moving into that empty nester st- stage. I'm I'm learning from you, my friend. I'm learning about this grandfather stuff. I'm hoping that that's a uh, fun time for me in the near future, not right now. Well, it's an interesting time. And like any other time, you know, you just take it a, a year at a time and you figure it out. So, Dave, you said you talked about business coaching, peak performance coaching, health coaching, life coaching. We've got all these terms. Talk to me how they're not really all that different. Yeah. Well, I think that at the end of the day, you know, most people want to to get more er. They want to be healthier, happier, wealthier, whatever the case may be. And they oftentimes, they don't know what they don't know. They don't have the perspective. They don't have the game plan, the accountability, the structure, the strategy to do what it is that they want to do. And so having a coach to assist them to go from where they are to where they want to go is really what is created. And, and really the, the differences in title really comes down to the individual that you're working with and the expertise um, I just have a passion for all of them. And I've been a student of the game, you know, physically. I've been a student of the health game. I lost 100 pounds. So I kind of identify with people who want to lose weight. Even people that don't want to lose weight are oftentimes not as healthy or as fit as they want to be. And because I've become a student of the healthy habits game, I have some strategies and tactics and techniques that I can help people with. 
Um, and then the life game, you know, I think the life game is more kind of a compilation of bringing a lot of different pieces to the, to the, uh, pieces of the puzzle together to complete the puzzle. And, you know, I would say life coach is more along the lines of a person that asks really good questions, you know, what, why, when, where, how, and who, um, and asks follow-up questions like why, and it really just helps a person to communicate what they've been thinking or what they've been experiencing. And it gives them some directions to begin to gain more clarity. I, I kind of use the mountain mountain climbing analogy and, you know, the peak of the mountain could be anything. It could be a health goal. It could be a life goal. It could be a relationship goal, fitness goal, financial goal, vocational goal. It doesn't make a difference what that next peak is, but Typically, you need clarity of what that peak is. You need to know where you're going, you know, or you'll never know when you get there. So help having a coach help you to clarify your peak or what your goal and your dream is, and then helping you to understand your current reality. You got to know where you're at. You got to know where you're going. You got to know why you're going there or otherwise you'll lose motivation. And then you just need to have some of the strategies around where to spend your time and who to partner with and where to go to get the information that you need to make the ascent from where you are to where you want to go. And maybe that analogy doesn't work with everybody, but it could be as similar as driving a car or, you know, going to any kind of destination is that somebody that's there to help you navigate the journey. It's a huge benefit. And uh, people just, you know, it's uh, Mark Twain once said, it's not what we know that gets us into trouble. It's all the things that we know for absolute certain that just aren't so. And that's probably the best definition I could give to people when it comes down to what's the value of having a coach. The value is there's things in your life that you've come to believe about you and believe about the world and believe about your opportunities and what's available. And they are lies. It's right in the middle of the word beliefs. If you just circle the three word or three letters right in the middle of the word beliefs, it says lie. And so many, Jeff, are just believing in lies about what's possible and what they're capable of. And I think that you and I have probably lied to ourselves and we've proven some things that have said those things were not true, right? <laughs> There's a lot of things that we yeah. can go back to. So, Yeah. So Dave, you've uh, been around the Christian scene for a long time. You're in a town called Pella, Pella, Iowa, mm -hmm. uh, where there is a, it's a very uh, traditional, a religious community. And so we're talking to pastors today. What do you think are the things that pastors particularly struggle with? And what have you seen as you've interacted with, with pastors? What's kind of the telltale thing that, that they tend to struggle with in the areas that you've uh, addressed with people? A couple, maybe the top three things that come to mind that, and the pastors that I've worked with is that um, I think that there is a uh, large problem with people in leading in ministry, pastors um, being so focused on caring for the health and well-being of other people, spiritual health, financial health, whatever the, you know, physical health, all those things like, you know, people that are hurting, people that are going through drama in their life or challenges, and they're so focused on caring for others that they don't care for themselves. And I would say that by far, that is the number one problem. Um, Self-care is the best form of health care. And if you are not taking care of yourself, um, which, you know, includes your faith, your family, 
your fitness level, your finances, your uh, friendships, you know, and, and it's lonely in ministry and leadership and any particular reason or position of leadership, it's lonely. Um, you don't feel like you can share the things that are oftentimes the most um, embarrassing or the most, I mean, we're real, we're real people as leaders. And if we don't have a, a safe place to go to talk through real issues and we just cover them up or bury them or pretend we don't have them, sooner or later they're going to show up. And oftentimes it shows up in a, in a pastor's weight. Um, you know, they, they're, ha- they're jolly, they're happy, and they're obese or they're overweight and they are unfit physically to do the work of Jesus. They're, they, they can have a hard time being the hands and feet of Jesus. They're getting by but they're not thriving with what they could do because they've allowed themselves to become complacent or comfortable with where they are currently at. And we, I call that in the book, the Valley of complacency where they're in a comfort cave and the comfort cave is crowded. And so Hmm. um, I would say number one, self-care number two, comfort or complacency. Um, Just they've accepted kind of what's happened in the world uh, I think that there's an opportunity for a physical health revival as much as there is a spiritual health revival. Um, I think that there's an opportunity to really go out there and create some changes, starting with pastors themselves, taking their health, taking their life, taking their um, dreams and putting them into a pursuit, a reality, whatever that may be. It doesn't have to be a personal, you know, like this is my personal passion for me. It could be a vision or a mission or something that is a purpose-driven project that we've just been pushing off because we haven't had the passion or the energy to go do what's necessary and make the sacrifices and do the work to make it happen. The third one I would say is just um, disconnecting. And and this is one of those opportunities, Jeff, is that you're providing a platform virtually for pastors to be fed and to communicate and to grab ideas from others. And this is a, a great platform for that. But I'd also think that there's a great need for community um, of leaders to come together because um, people do what people do. And so you can work with an individual coach, which is valuable and beneficial. But when you are working with a coach and or partnering with a community of others, you're going to get more perspective, you're going to get more evidence, and you're going to hear in a plurality of um, people how they're doing things. And I don't know, for me, it just seems like there's these fiefdoms, you know, Hmm. and yes, there's some, some collaboration with inside of, you know, denominations or with inside of certain networks, but I think that we're still pretty divided from what I see. And I think that there's a tremendous opportunity to bring more people together more consistently to share real valuable perspectives, tools, you know, things that are helpful for leaders to level up. So those are my top three off the top of my head. Man, that that's fantastic. Dave wanted to know some questions ahead of time. You don't need questions ahead of time. Those top three, man, those those are those are really insightful. And what I found is that in our culture, basically our people will just let us go on those things. They won't, they won't challenge us. They'll, you know, Hey, it's okay. It's, we just, we, that's the way it is. Uh, the pastor is, uh, overburdened. There's not a lot of self-care going on. Maybe they're out of shape. 
Um, they're just, uh, they've kind of settled where they're at. And the church sometimes is happy to settle where it's at. That doesn't really want to be pushed or bothered too much to get out of its comfort zone. It's sometimes churches are in the comfort cave as well. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of churches in that denomination. Um, so I think one thing that you hit on was the, uh, disconnectedness. And that is what I hope that you and I can do together and we can encourage pastors to do is to get connected for the purpose of growth. So Dave, how have you been able to get connected with others? Uh, I know that you have teams that work under you. Uh, Mm -hmm. I say under, you don't see them as under, but I'm just saying in terms Mm -hmm. of the org chart, you have teams that you've developed that they kind of look to you as their leader, but who have you as a leader gone to and how have you benefited from getting connected to coaching groups or growth groups uh, on your level? Yeah. So, um, you know, seek and you shall find <laughs> knock mm-hmm. and, and the door will be open, ask and you shall receive. So I, those are the three things that I've done when searching for people. And it's not just in the world of coaching. I mean, I've definitely got some coaching cousins that I, you know, connect with and, you know, I go to events or I get into mastermind zoom meetings where we just discuss, you know, here's what happened. Here's what we wanted to have happen. Here's what we feel is missing. And here's what we feel is next, but we're open and curious to what other people would say about what it is that we're experiencing or what it is that we're missing or what it is that we should do next. Um, you know, cause if you get some of that input, you can end up, uh, compressing time. I, I love the phrase that says the experience of others compresses time. So, you know, getting involved, um, virtually into networking type of environments, even hosting. Um, you know, I, I love the quote that's, and I'm not sure exactly who said it, but he said, there's, uh, there's only two types of people in the world, Jeff. There's the people that go out there and live their dreams and change their world. And then there's everybody else who depend on the people that live their dreams and change their world. So, you know, if you're waiting for somebody to come along and invite you into a great networking group <laughs> to have conversation, uh, that may not come. Um, but you could start it by reaching out to others in your area and inviting them into conversation and just, you know, asking questions and just, you know, reaching out to people to find out what it is that they need and what it is that they want and what they're missing And that in itself has been probably one of my best strategies is I know the value of community. I know the value of coaching. And so rather than waiting for somebody to come along and say, Dave, I can help you. I'm going to go out there and be the guy that I've been looking for. And I'm going to invite other people into the conversation and deal with my own imperfections. I know that I don't know it all. I know that I'm not perfect and I'm not here to tell anybody else how to live their life, but I'm here to communicate and to collaborate and to see if we can't create better results together than doing it on our own. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So tell me about, you said you almost died. You said you were, went through the spanking machine. You know, you've had, you've had a lot of experiences over the past, let's say 18 years. Uh, when, when were you at your lowest point over the past 18 years? Because, you know, we often think people are an overnight success or they're just a meteoric rise up. And it's often that, two steps forward, one step back. So when were you at a low point? Well, I I use the analogy of the mountain climbing process and going after a peak or a a summit as being like a dream or a big, big goal. And so when I left the successful world of 
the home mortgage industry um, at the height of the home mortgage industry. This is before the crash of 2008. Uh, it was a it, it was a, a rip roaring time, and I went after this idea of pursuing my passion of becoming a people farmer and helping people to grow, and I got off to a great start. It was very fun. It was very exhilarating, and um, you know, just like any beginning of a journey is. If you think about you know when people climb Mount Everest, Mount Everest is twenty nine thousand twenty nine feet, and when you first start the process of getting to the base camp, I'm sure it's a blast. But when you're in the death zone, or the death zone is that final peak where they have to summit and the oxygen is low and the weather is miserable. Um, they don't call it the death zone just for giggles. You know, there's people that die there. And, uh, and so when I went after my big dream of doing something that was really meaningful to me, um, I didn't realize the chances of failure. I mean, I knew there was a chance of failure. I just didn't know how drastic. And so I went after my dream. And then in 2008 is when the big mortgage crash hit. And that's where a lot of my clients and coaching business was coming from. I had devoted a lot of time, a lot of money into servicing a particular niche. And that niche almost disappeared. It, it went from being uh, like I had 350 companies that I would count as being contacts in my database that went out of business in 12 months. And when wow. all of that capital and all of those resources go away, um, you stress out a little bit. And so I stressed and I ate more than I should, drank probably more than I should, um, just disconnected, worked twice as many hours with you know, half the income. Um, and there was a large sucking noise over at the bank and I was just burning through capital faster than I could earn it. And so I was working nights, holidays and weekends. And I had these three beautiful kids and then I ended up injuring my back. And so now my back hurts, my wallet hurts, my mind hurts. And, you know, I was at a point of, you know, crying, you know, um, hmm. uh, I didn't want to go through what I was going through. I needed yeah. some help, you know, and uh, and so and that was the place. Um, that was the place where God showed up, and God said, "You know, um, you've fallen down this mountain. I didn't create you to live in this valley. I created you to climb this mountain, and we're going to climb this mountain. We're going to do it in a way that you never thought was possible." And that's when I ended up making a decision to get healthier, and I lost 100 pounds. And in the process of losing 100 pounds. I had a tremendous amount of people that um, reached out to me and said, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Could you help me? And I thought, I'm a recovering fat guy. I don't know much about health. I'm not a nutritionist <laughs> or dietitian or personal trainer. I didn't get a degree. I got a degree in mass communication, not kinesiology. And when I started to see, you know, grown men, guys like you and me, you know, successful people that were in a point where they're really struggling physically and mentally and financially and vocationally. And I had the opportunity to help them. That's when I decided to shift my focus from business coaching to health coaching and working with other health coaches and leaders and people in ministry. And, you know, 13 years later, over 25,000 people have started a healthy lifestyle journey. I've had a chance to work with over 500 health professionals and health coaches and ministry leaders and people of all different walks of life 
who have actually become certified coaches that are now coaching other people. I've had a chance to write a book. Um, but 13 years ago, man, I was I was going through a spanking machine and uh, didn't really have a whole lot of hope or health or help. But uh, yeah, I survived. And that was just 13 years ago. 13 years ago. Yeah. yeah I've gone through a couple of uh, other experiences along the way that were slippery slopes. But uh, yeah, overall, it's been a, a wild ride. I'd heard somebody say one time, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I wouldn't want to repeat it for a plum nickel. You know, no. there's some things that you wouldn't definitely want to go back through again, yeah. but it was definitely uh, something that taught you something for the future. So I appreciate and, that. And I've always said I, I'd never, I'd never ordered it on the menu, but it came. So I had to make the best of it <laughs> and I wouldn't order it again, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm glad for what I've learned. So Dave, I've talked about how it was 12 years ago when I woke up on New Year's Day in 2010 and looked in the mirror and said, Jeff, you're never going to get to where you want to get to going the way you've been going. And something's got to change. And I made some significant changes that year that brought me really to where I am today. And I'd never be here today if I hadn't made some decisions back in 2010. And you're talking about 13 years ago, which is about the same amount of time ago. So I'm thinking about the pastors that are listening to us today and where they're going to be 12 years from now, because 12 years in some ways doesn't sound like very long. In other ways, it's a long time because you can accomplish an awful lot. So before we're done with this episode, would you just speak to pastors a word of hope and maybe possibility? What do you think they can do that they don't think they can do? Yeah. Well, you know, being a football player, um, had a lot of uh, halftime speeches. And, you know, I think that most of the people that are listening to this podcast right now are in halftime. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. for sure that they're in halftime of the year that we're in, <laughs> if they're listening to it at the same time we're recording it. Um, but, you know, we're in halftime of 2022. And I think that it's a good time to take a look at the first half of 2022 and say, you know, how, how are we doing? You know, if we were keep teaching or if we were keeping every year as almost like a game, um, have we had a history of losing seasons? You know, have we been losing the the game of life physically, mentally, financially, and vocationally? Um, or have we been around 500? You know, if a team that's won half its game and lost half its games, then they're about 500. Uh, or have you been winning, but you've been short of a title? or a championship, you know, that's oftentimes when, you know, we go after doing things, we can kind of think about running the race to win the prize, right? I mean, what's the prize in your world? Uh, Have you accomplished it? Have you won uh, in the work that you're doing? Have you won in the relationships? Have you won in your health? Uh, Halftime is a great time to reflect. And I think if we look at halftime in the year, we can say, you know what, in the next six months, we could radically improve our physical, mental, vocational well-being. If we had a good reason to do it, we could radically change it. Six months of change can radically transform a person's life. 60 days of change can radically transform a person's life. But six months, there I mean, I lost 100 pounds in seven months. Just changing my nutrition, not with this major life change, just changing my nutrition. I lost 100 pounds. That's not everybody's story. That's my story, but maybe it's 20 pounds or 50 pounds. I don't care what it might be, or it might just be, you know, exercising 30 minutes a day or 150 minutes a week. I mean, there's something that you could do that's beyond what's 
ordinary in your life. And if you just started to do things that were a little bit above and beyond what's usual, regular, and customary, you would start living an extraordinary life. Just in the next 60 60 days, the next six months, you could change things for the better. Um, How that changes your life, if you look at you're in half time of life, you know, if you're 35 to 55 years of age, you're approximately at half time. You know, the average male lives to be about 77, I believe. The females are about 82. So, you know, 35 to 40 is about half time. How do you want to finish? You know, I mean, none of us are guaranteed. Billy Graham said, you know, one of the greatest things in life that he learned was the brevity of life mm-hmm. here on earth. If the next six months were your last six months, what would need to change? before you could feel like that you ran the race to win the prize. And what if you got six years? What if you got six solid years left? How would you like to live those six years, right? Jesus lived on this earth for three, quite an impact. We could say that he <laughs> lived an extraordinary life in yeah. three years of really going after it in ministry. What if the next three months or the next three years or the next 13 years, you started going above and beyond what's usual, regular, and customary in your physical, mental, financial, relational, vocational aspects of your life. Just starting with one, health. <laughs> Just starting with one, vocation. You know, we like to say for things to change, we must change. And I believe that you can change. And all you have to do is start thinking about what are some of those changes you want to make and why they're important to you. And then put together a plan and we can talk a little bit more about resources they can get to get some guidance on that. But that would be the encouragement that I would give. Well, and that's going to be next week, episodes 93 to 97 of the podcast. We're going to be talking to you, Dave, about your book, Live an Extraordinary Life. And the six commitments, the sixth one's going to culminate with weekend update number 12. And we're going to talk about the sixth commitment, and then we're going to share what uh, our listeners can do, what pastors can do, and the opportunity that we're going to give them. Because it was five and a half months ago, not even, that I was parked in my car again. You know, this sounds like a a, a drunken, you know, three sheets of whatever story, but I was parked in my car talking to you, asking you if you've ever seen anybody who had lost a bunch of weight and gained it all back and then lost it again. At that point, I hadn't put out a podcast episode in eight months. And if you would have told me then that five and a half months later, I'd be looking at 100 episodes of a podcast, honestly, I wouldn't have believed you. And it's only because I changed my nutrition and I gained a ton of energy. As soon as that fuel went in the tank, I knew exactly where I wanted to go with it. So. That's what we're going to talk about uh, next week. We're going to talk about those commitments and opportunities, hopefully provide hope and motivation to pastors. So Dave, thanks for joining me today. My pleasure, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Well, there you have it. That's Dave Bush, my friend, my coach, my partner, and all-around nice guy. He's going to join me next week. We're going to go through his book next week. You listen in and you decide if you want to jump in and be a part of this first Coaching for Pastors group. I think it's going to be a great one. And let me leave you with this thought, Pastor. It is the middle of the year 2022. What would you like to be able to say on January 1st of 2023 that would be true about you that isn't today? What would you like to say? I remember back in January, I said to myself, Jeff, you are... You are the heaviest weight that you have ever been in your life. 
just a year and a half after being your college weight, which was unbelievable. Now, all of a sudden, after COVID and after 2021, you're at your heaviest weight. Jeff, you want to be, and I said to myself, I want to be in June, the middle of the summer, I want to be 50 pounds down. On my, on my way to 80 pounds down by Halloween. That, that was my goal. But I wanted in the middle of the summer, I wanted to have more energy. I wanted to fit into my clothes that I didn't fit into anymore. I wanted to be able to have a life because let me tell you, in January, I did not have too much of a life. I was exhausted. And I was, as I said earlier, down, doobie-doo, down, down, because I was just so tired eating all the wrong food, not getting exercise, too tired to do the things I really wanted to do. And in January, I made a plan. And I stepped out on February 1st. And today, as I'm recording this, June 24th, let me tell you, I feel fantastic. I'm 57 pounds down. I, I feel so much better. But again, that's this is a weight thing. It could be any number of things. There are other things that I've done since January. We put a group together, and we went through an entire session with this group from January through the end of May. It was a fantastic discipleship multiplication group, and it laid the groundwork for some stuff we're going to do throughout the summer and into next year. A number of things, but you've got to say, here I am today. Where do I want to be in six months? What I realized was, here's what I said to myself, Jeff, you're going to be so happy July 1st if you start today. Just think of how you'll feel on July 1st. What will you be able to say? How will you be able to feel? What will you be able to do on July 1st that you can't do now? And I told myself then on January 31st, and I said, Jeff, if you start tomorrow on February, I talk to myself a lot. If you start tomorrow on February 1st, you'll be able to say that on July 1st. And you know the, the wonderful thing is? I'll be able to say it on July 1st. I'm so thankful. So my question to you is, what will you be able to say on January 1st, 2023? What will you be able to accomplish if we gather some pastors together and we go for it? That's going to be my invitation to you next week, Pastor. So you'll be thinking about it. You'll be praying about it because I want you to feel... And truly, I want you to feel God is calling me into this. This is something that God wants me to do. I want you to feel called to be a part of this group. I don't want it to just to be a flesh thing. I don't want it to be a pride thing. I don't want it to be an achievement thing. I want you to be able to say, it after prayer and after listening to Dave and I talk through some of this, yeah, God is calling me to do this. This would be something that would be good for me to do. Well, this has been a long episode, my friend. You have a great Sunday, and I'll see you on Monday on the Coaching for Pastors podcast.